just for those of you whose Latin might be a little rusty, we put the English translation in the worship folder for you. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. As you know, we're beginning to work our way through this Gospel, and as as I have said, and we'll say again, just to remind you, the first chapter will take us a little bit longer, but once we get past the first chapter and, and, and the richness of who Jesus Christ is and begin to look at its application in the other chapters, we'll take much larger chunks at a time, uh, and sometimes we'll take entire chapters because they deal with the, the interaction of Jesus with one individual, like chapter 9, and, and the man who was born blind. And uh, doesn't seem any of the Pharisees believe that he could be healed. And he says, what, do you want to believe in Jesus too? Don't you think that I was blind? And they say, well, who are you to teach us? And he says, all I know was that I was blind, and now I can see. And that's, that's one of my favorite chapters in, in Scripture because it just lays out the work of Christ so easily and so plainly before us. We turn to the first chapter of the Gospel of John, and today we'll, we'll just add a verse. We went through the first three verses last time to find out who Christ was. Remember, it, before the beginning began was the Word. That's what we learned and, and what that meant and how that plays into our lives. And now we're going to expand that a little bit and learn about the life that comes with this one who was before the beginning began. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, bring upon us your Holy Spirit that we would have understanding to who Jesus Christ is and what he brings to us. We who are called according to your purposes, we whom you reign and and, and bless us with your grace and, and call us into relationship with you, what it is that Christ gives us, this life eternal. Help us to understand this today, we ask in his name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you remember last week, it's not a God, but the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life and light, these are two big themes that John is introducing here just in the fourth verse, and we will see this again and again throughout Scripture. Light and life, darkness and light, life and death, these are things that are played out for us, and John's audience would have understand what he was talking about immediately and understand why these things were so important. And we see, as he says again and again, those who walk in darkness, they cannot understand it because they cannot, they have not yet, their eyes have not yet been opened to the light of Jesus Christ. And we'll look at light a little bit more next week. Today, we're going to look at life. And John kind of bookends his gospel with life. Here in verse 4, in him was life. And then at the end, in, in chapter 20, uh, in what we have previously looking at, looked at, verses 30 and 31, these words were written that you may have life. Okay, this is a big theme with John, life. Because he, what he's talking about is a different type of life than what we experience just in our existence. He is talking about a life that is eternal, a life that comes only from Christ. Christ is the source of this life. Now, I refer to this in particular because um, if you've been driving on the parkway you and have been observant, now I know some people, um, 
you, you're more attentive to the road than I am. Uh, you know, so I drive, I look around, and, and that's why I don't know how fast I'm going, all those types of things. But there's a billboard on the parkway. Have you all seen it? And it's advertising an event that is going on this week, and it's the Southeast Atheist Organization, or the Atheist of the Southeast, and they're having a big conference here in Huntsville. Big conference. I went to their website, and it is limited to 250. Okay? So they're they're gathering all the atheists from the Southeast United States here in Huntsville, all 250 of them, uh, who are willing to... Uh, I don't know, come out of the closet. I, I, I don't know how, how we describe this. Um, but this is where we really differentiate the believer and the atheist. Now remember, an atheist, in Greek you add an A to a word to negate it. So you have a theist, one who believes in God, and an atheist, one who does not believe in God. As opposed to an agnostic. Gnosis, the Greek word for know. So an agnostic simply does not know. Okay, So an agnostic would give credence to the fact that there might be God, but he just doesn't know. An atheist says, no, there is no God. And if you go on their, their website or, or the website for the conference, um, I don't know, southeastatheist.org, something like that, you can find message boards. And that's what I did a little bit this week. I went on to their, their message boards, and, and I want to tell you what, they're a vicious crowd. Okay. <laughs> Now, now, I know we can be vicious too sometimes, and whether we mean to or not, sometimes Christians come across vicious, but on their message board, and, and, and you can, at the conference, you can get there this afternoon, uh, you know, I don't want, you know, if there's an atheist here, I don't want to belittle you, you can go this afternoon and have workshops on um, how, how everything came into existence, you can have uh, workshops on how it is we are called to live, uh, you know, all these things, and, and but the message board, you know, the comments that I saw, oh, those poor dumb Christians, you know, worrying about throwing stones at their supposed devil and things like this that were, uh, I don't want to say this, as if they were right, okay? <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. And, and I'm sure if, 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 if one was, was here today from the conference, they'd go, well, you think you're right, Randy. And I say, no, I don't think I'm right. This is what God says to us, that there is life, and life is first. Okay, this is where, where I'm going with this. Life is first. In the beginning was what? God. Okay, before the beginning began was what? God. Now, if you don't believe in God, what do you have to have? You, you have to have some beginning because matter and energy are not eternal. Okay, They do not last forever. Everything runs down. This is, this is one of the distinctions. So you've got to have some place where, where matter and energy can come from because you understand if you don't believe in, in God and, and his creative power, then sooner or later you have to say that all those inanimate particles that were floating around in space and this energy which... Uh, has has some beginning, uh, but really we don't know what that beginning is. And all of these things came together in a random convergence and created life. So for an atheist, you have energy and matter first. For a believer, you have life first. Okay? Big distinction. Okay? There's a big distinction between worldviews. One, matter and energy is eternal. One, life is eternal. Or the things that start life. 
specifically ours. With no creator, no intelligence, no design, no purpose, no plan, we have this mindlessness that comes and, and ends up in creating we who are so complex. Okay, and This is the example that I, that I, I just use because I'm, I'm complex, but I like to be simple. Okay, Take your hand and put it on your stove when that coil is hot. Okay, What do you do? Do you think, my goodness, I can smell flesh burning? You know what? That just really hurts. What should I do? Let me think of my options. Okay? If I leave my hand there, sooner or later it'll just burn down to the stump. If I take my hand off, then that will start to ease the pain. Now, how long does that whole process take? Oh, just an instant. Okay, we, we don't, and, and because it goes from here to our brain, and our brain processes it, or our, our upper-level functions, whatever it is, it processes, and it, it, that little voice in your head, in, in just a, you know, a, a hair's breadth of time, says stupid, because you can call yourself stupid if you put your hand on the stove, stupid, get your hand off the stove. And you go like this. Okay? That's what happens. Now, that's a very complex process. If you think those things came from inanimate particles or a random convergence of those things which have no life and created life, and from that you have us, perhaps you have more faith than I do. Okay? And then the logical conclusion of that is if we are here by chance, by no real purpose, then when we die, we go in the ground or whatever, and the worms eat us, and we are gone. So what is it that I should do with my life if I am here for no good purpose, if I am not created for a function or a purpose, and I have nothing to look forward to? I am here for some period of time. What should I do with my life? Should I gather in great halls and sing the praises of this temporary existence Should I go out and do great works that I know that I will never see come to fruition because my life will be over in an instant and I have no existence after that? Should I sing great songs to our temporary time here, to the fact that we have no real purpose in all eternity and that my life will be over in 70 years? Should I do that? I don't see them doing that. I don't see the atheists gathered and doing those great things. Who gathers and does those great things? The likes of us. Because we know we were created by because life was first. Before the beginning began, that's when Christ was here. He has created us for a purpose that we might give him glory. And our life, as we see in here, is in him and is eternal life. We go on and on and on. We have a purpose. We have a function. We have a great calling in this world that I'm afraid the 250 who are gathered just do not grasp. And our prayer should be that their eyes and hearts would be open to this wonderful truth. That they would no longer hold on to the things that are false. That they would hold on and cling to the cross of Christ. Those things which are true and right and just. In the beginning was the word. And in the word is life. Well, as was the first verse. The fourth verse harkens back to the opening chapters of Genesis. So let's turn there, chapter 2 of Genesis. In 
You know, just I go back to those those messages that I read that, that were posted on their website. You know, Christians can be we can be biting and harsh as well sometimes because because we're sinful. So our mouths will open before our brains engage. Okay, but let's remember if we do that. We, we can, we, we're called to seek forgiveness and, and you know, retract that and say, you know, I, I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have said those things. Uh, will you forgive me? Now, some people won't, but other people will take that as, wow, you know, that, that is something different that we don't see in society all the time. So uh, just keep those things in mind. Okay, in, uh, what we have here is from Genesis, or in John 4, in him was life, Okay. And the life was the light of men. Now, what we do, we go back to chapter 2 of Genesis, and we look at verse 7 and how we were created. It is the breath of God that breathes life into us. Verse 7 of chapter 2, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, if we took a poll of everybody's view of creation and what that means and how that came about, we might come up with, with a variety of views here. Um, just so you understand where I come from, the, the language is pretty clear, so I, I hold to a, a, a day creation, okay, a six-day creation, a literal six-day creation, because that's what I come up with the Hebrew. Um, and, and that's what lays the foundation for everything. Now, you know, you might have different interpretations of things like that, But whatever we look at, we come to this conclusion that the Lord God formed man of dust. What is dust? Well, if you flip over to chapter 3, verse 14, you see what dust is valued as. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, on your belly you shall go, and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. So Satan, who manifests himself here as a serpent, gets to eat dust all their life. Okay. If we look at the book of Job, more than 20 times Job talks about himself as insignificant, or man as insignificant as dust, in comparison to who the Lord is. And the Lord takes this insignificant material and forms it into us and breathes the life into us, this life which comes from God. Now, you'll know that everywhere else that God creates, what does he do? He speaks and it is there. Let there be light. Let there be the distinction between the waters and the land. Let there be the distinction between the heavens and the earth. All of these things he speaks and they come into existence. Here, God takes, in a sense, if we, we can look at it this way, takes his own hands, forms man, and then breathes into him. Okay, in the same sense, the word breath, the word spirit, and the word word all have a similar root in, in the Hebrew of ruach, and that is the breath of God, the spirit of God, the word of God. All of these things are bringing us into existence here, and we are created in God's own image. We are given life because of who God is. So go back to the Gospel of John. Now here, he says we are given real life, and and we've talked about real physical life is what the Lord has given us. But what John is talking about here is also something much more. It is a spiritual life, 
And that is a quality and a character of life that simply physical life does not, does not provide for us. Now, if we are receiving this great spiritual life, we must come to grips with the problem of why we re- need to receive this life in the first place. Go to the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, the, the second chapter. We see why we have this need for life. And we have been here before, and, uh, but I'll just read it to you uh, so that we understand and are, are reminded that prior to receiving the life that John is talking about, this eternal spiritual life that John is talking about, we were dead. Okay? Dead. Spiritually speaking. Our eyes were not open. Our heart did not beat in a spiritual fashion. We did not desire the things of God. We were spiritually dead. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That tells us who we are. Dead in our sins. Dead. Spiritually dead. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. So what was the root cause of our being made spiritually alive? God's great love with which he loved us. Okay, His great love. Why do you do things? Now, why would you buy a ring for a girl? Because she badgered you into doing it. No, no, because you love her. Okay, you love her. It is a it is a gift. Well, that is a small, small illustration of this love which God has for us. For we were dead, and he makes us alive. Why? Because of his great love for us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were dead in our spiritual lives, blinded, Deaf to anything of God, he does the work. He comes and makes us alive spiritually. That's the life that John is talking about here. Now, when we look at at Scripture, we see some evidence that there are different, and and don't take this too, too, too literally, there are different degrees of spiritual death. Okay, yes, we are all dead in our sins, but some of us have been dead longer in our sins. Okay, and had more time to exercise the death that is involved there. Now we see in Scripture that there are there are degrees uh, uh, that people are brought back to life when they were dead. Jairus's daughter had only been dead a few hours, and she is raised uh, in the village in, in there and in Luke. Man is dead two or one or two days. He is raised. Lazarus is in the grave. How long? 
four days. And what's the big concern? That he will begin to spell. Okay? He is raised. All are given new life, but all have been dead for a certain period of time. Now, some of us have been dead. Oh, maybe we came to Christ when we were just children. Okay? And we weren't dead in our minds that long. But we have been made alive for a great length of time. Some of us perhaps came to Christ when we were teenagers or in our 20s, and we had some time to exercise that spiritual death in our lives. Okay, And then Christ came and gave us new life. Some of us perhaps were dead for years, maybe most of our lives, 40, 50, 60 years before Christ made us alive. And we had all of that time to exercise and participate in the things of spiritual death in our lives. But yet when you are made new in Christ, all those things are gone. All those things are forgiven. You are made completely new. Remember the parable of the workers in the field. Some are hired at the first of morning, and they are hired for a specific amount. Some are hired at noon. They are hired for the same amount. Some are hired in the last hour and receive the same amount. Okay, But some have only worked an hour. Some have worked four hours. Some worked the entire day. It's an illustration of salvation. Some of us are saved early in life for God's purposes, and we are able to demonstrate the things of grace for 60, 70, 80 years. The thief on the cross demonstrated the things of grace, I don't know, in one statement. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was his statement of faith. That was his evidence of sanctification of the work of Christ in his life. That's all he had time for. A declaration of faith in Christ. And he received new life. The life we are given in Christ is not just an earthly life, but it is an eternal life. It is of such quality that it cannot be taken away from us. It cannot be changed. It is given. It is secured. And it is secured in the work of Christ. The one who was here before the beginning began in whom life is found. This is not a life for 75 years. It is not a life for a thousand years. It is not a life for a million years. It is eternal life. You receive it here in this world, and it continues on forever. You know, forever. Eternal. Those are words that we can say, but we just cannot grasp them because we do not think in those terms presently. You know, I'm... Some days I'm just trying to get to the end of the day, right? That's as far as you want to think. But yet the quality and character of the life we are given in Christ goes that way. And it continues to go for all eternity. It does not change. When we stand in the physical presence of Christ, it comes to fulfillment. But it is eternal life. Eternal life. John chapter 5 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Apart from believing in Jesus, we are all dead. All dead. 1 John says, God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Unfortunately, those who do not profess faith in Jesus Christ, who have not received him as Lord and Savior, they are still dead. They're still dead. Is there a chance for them to live? Yes, if their eyes are open to the things of Christ. If you reject 
Christ, you reject life. Later in John chapter 5, it says, You refuse to come to me that you may have life. If you don't have life, then you're dead. John chapter 10, Christ says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. I give them eternal life and they never perish. They never perish. So I think it's clear when John says in him was life, he means this spiritual, this eternal life, life that saves us from judgment. If you have the Son, if you have Jesus, if he is in you, if he is your Lord and Savior, then you have life and it is eternal. Eternal. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, last one. you go to the mall today, or if you were going to the Steeler game today, where it's going to be four degrees, okay, you would see people who look alive. They're walking, they're talking, they're shopping, they're yelling, whatever it is. If you went up and told them, you know what, you're dead, okay, and they go, you're crazy. No, no, you are dead. Can't, can't you feel it? You are spiritually dead dead that they would not understand that but if you talk in 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 issues of that john is talking about about the darkness about their eyes being closed to the things of truth it's not that they can't walk it's not that they can't cheer the football team it's not that they can't shop it's that they can't see jesus they can't see jesus for who he is matthew chapter 13 verse 10 And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall be given more, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because while seeing they do not see, while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. See, if you're spiritually dead, you can't hear. Not until you are made alive by the work of Christ. And once you are made alive, it is, in a sense, it has been granted to you. And once it is granted you, you shall be given more. In abundance, the grace of God, when your eyes are open to the things of Christ, when you have received this eternal life, then his grace is showered and poured out upon you. Those whose eyes are closed, those whose eyes are blind, do not receive that grace. It is not given to them. Now, you may think, well, you know, that person who's a pagan, he's doing a lot better than I am in this world. That's not what we're after. Do we want to succeed? Do we want to excel? Of course we do. But let's understand, we are talking about a life that does not last 70 years or 80 years. We are talking about a life that continues forever. This is but a small portion of that life. And it is not until our darkened eyes are opened by the light of Christ, which we will learn about next week, that we understand the character and quality and extent of this life that comes in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, your, set, your son said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lord, for many of us, you have already opened our eyes, and we have seen this light. No longer do we walk in darkness, but we understand the light of Christ. We understand that life comes from you. You have touched our hearts. You have raised us from this being dead in our trespasses and sins. And you have given us life. For we could not earn it. We could not merit it on our own. You have given it because of your great love for us. You have done this work. And who are we that you would do this? We are nothing special. Except we are your handiwork. The creation of your hand, you breathed life into us. You formed us in our mother's womb. You shaped us and made us. You know every day that we are going to live. You know every hair on our head. You know the words on our lips before they come out. You know everything about us, and yet you have deemed to love us in a way that changes us forever. Lord, this is uh, our finite minds cannot grasp everything involved in this. But Lord, fix in our hearts the things that we can't understand. That you have changed us. We were dead and now we're alive in Christ. That you call us to a life that is different. That you have empowered us to live this life. And now we are called to put aside our own wills and pursue the things that you lay before us. That this life can be lived out here preparation for the eternal life that we will experience as given to us in Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing 611, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me, lead me on, help me stand. 611.